Don't forget about me. Ah. Uh. Ah. Don't forget. Ah. I need to get ah. Ah. Imagine dragons. Are you? Yes, you! Looking for a spectacular listening experience? Then you've come to the right place! Care to have your ear holes entertained by music chatter? Then be sure to stick around! Is this everything you've ever wanted and more? Then don't forget to blast beat those special buttons, you! For more quivering eargasms! Ah, welcome back to another episode of Sounds I Changed My Life. Today oh. we're going to be talking about <laughs> Imagine Dragons Night Visions. Specifically, the deluxe version, which came out recently. Well, it, I mean, it came out, what, 10 years ago, but... Yeah, it's a 10th anniversary edition. Yeah. Um, But it's, well, 10 years old, yeah. And they've released a new version, which is like, what, 50 songs? Something like that? It's ridiculous. It's four CDs. I couldn't oh. believe it when I saw the track list. It absolutely fucking blew my mind. So you've got, <laughs> from what I know, you've got the... Original album, including bonus tracks. You've got more bonus tracks, a live album at Red Rocks, and a remix album. It's crazy, man. Crazy. crazy. To be fair, we will be probably focusing on <laughs> the main album uh, through most of this, so don't worry. We're just talking about this because it is the 10th anniversary edition. So nice. just as the Slaughter to Prevail album was... Sounds that changed Josh's life. This one isn't for Josh, unfortunately. This one's for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is a this is a big album for me, um, and I wanted to cover this. And it, it just so happened it was the tenth anniversary, so makes sense. Mm. Do you want any, Do you want to say anything, either of you, before we get started properly? Yeah. Hello, I'm Josh. Hello. I'm gonna start flicking cameras. And these are my co-hosts. Introduce yourselves. Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, my name's Tom. Hi. I I I theorized and thought of this podcast, but Josh is the host. Mm. This is Ben. Hi. Ben's new. I'm riding the coattails here. I've been since January. <laughs> Ben's and great. I'm loving it. Me and Ben are good friends. I am not trying to offend him like another another podcast. I'm sorry, Ben. You don't have to keep bringing it up. It's okay. I just like making it awkward. Baby girl, calm down, damn. <laughs> so yeah. Um Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for coming. And thank you for being here today with us. Um, thank you for being here. Yeah. Well, not physically here, but with this virtual. Do you mean being here, not being? Be- being. Oh, little beans. <laughs> thank you for watching a party. A party with your body. <laughs> I got all the mumbo jumbo crap out of the way first. So we're on social media. If you want to come chat to us, we're on Every them all name so. them, Ben. Just name them. Go on, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I was about to say Twitter, we don't really do Twitter. We don't do, do we? Twitter, we don't no. do Twitter. No, uh, YouTube that's the main one, Spotify, Apple Music, Raw. Ev- that's everything. All of them, all of them. Oh, all TikToker. Of them. Oh, TikToker. Oh, TikToker. <laughs> you left that too late, then I think I left it a little bit too late. So just count with them. Oh man, yeah, today, night visions. Um, 
The original <laughs> came out in 2012, obviously. Yeah. It's a 10-year uh, anniversary. Um, the original consisted of 14 tracks. The remake, well, not not necessarily remake, but the 10-year anniversary consists of 54 tracks. 54. 54. Um, I mean, the, they are absolutely fucking globally well-known, hence why Radioactive has got nearly 1.4 billion listens to on Spotify, and Demons with uh, 1.5 billion. It's fucking crazy. Is that, that's a lot. Billion damn that's crazy. Um, but yeah. I, I, I know the album, so there's points where I can obviously put my input into this conversation, but I know, like you've said earlier, this is more or less a, an album that you wanted to pick because it's so close to you. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's like we said before, there's certain albums that are uh, sort of a certain era of my life. So we talk about this all the time where you look at certain albums and they remind you of a certain time frame. Mm. This is one of those albums, personally. Um, it came out, like you said, 2012. That was a very important time for me. Um, it was a very, it was a very formative time of my life. It was like I was learning a lot, and you know, it just so happened to be there. I'd also moved out of Birmingham. I was living down in Canterbury, where folk music is quite big and yeah. busking and acoustic music is quite big and it just so happened that you know it just went hand in hand really so it, it just sort of followed me and then their albums get a bit more you know rocky here and there a bit more you know dancey and stuff here and there but this yeah. one is the one that has a lot more folk elements so it just felt right at mm -hmm. the time the, uh, the one thing that i pull, pulled out from that is i can't believe it's been fucking 10 years since you were at, you were down in canterbury mm -hmm. that seems such a long time ago yeah i moved i moved down there in 2012 fuck moved Jeez, back man. end of 2016 yeah that sounds yeah. about right yeah um so yeah the the album radioactive was sort of the introduction as it was for most people yeah then you hear like two or three songs used on like gogglebox and TV programs and stuff like that. And, you know, they work really well. Um, but, you know, like Radioactive, for instance, is the one song that I probably don't listen to. It's overplayed. For me, yeah. That. yeah. That's exactly what it is. It, it's one of those, it's got the, it's got replayability, but that, when you really listen to them, it's not the song that you should probably aim for when you're trying to find out who Imagine Dragons are. Yeah. And why they became so big. Going back and listening to this album again, I deliberately didn't really listen to Radioactive because I don't need to listen to it again. Yeah. Because everyone knows it, don't yeah. they? And that's yeah. that's the thing. Everyone we, knows what that song is. You said it as well. It's like over like 1 billion something. One one point, point. Nearly 1.4 billion when, so, I, yeah. when I last checked. But it's, it is... It's, don't get me wrong. It's not necessarily a bad song. Cause it, no. It's really, really great and catchy. Um, very melodic, but... Like I said, I think because of that overexposure and 1.4 billion streams on one platform, hence you've got it on so many different TV shows as well. It's there's multiple multiple millions of people watching that, and it was on like every time. advert as well. It was yeah, like I was just about Microsoft to say that. Adverts. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was on like a Halo advert or something as well. Like <laughs> pretty sure it was on an Assassin's Creed advert. I think that's how yeah, I it. something like that. Yeah. It was on so many game adverts and trailers, and 
junk like that that mm. yeah it was it was everywhere so it kind of got to that point where i was like oh so the one question i want to ask you both and this is just down to probably my lack of knowledge of this band but they seem to get trolled a lot online and i don't understand why like, i can't see that fascination of trying to like either rip into this band or just say they're absolutely shit because I, the songs that I do know, I really enjoy. Uh, I think it's a Nickelback treatment. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I hate to keep going back to Nickelback, but they, like, it's a well-known thing with Nickelback that they're they write radio-friendly rock. Yeah. And it's no mistake, and it's no sort of secret that they are trying to write songs to be as popular as possible, to be as successful as they can, and realistically what is wrong with a band saying that they're doing that yeah absolutely nothing in my opinion anyway because yeah. they're the ones that are laughing at the end of the day because they're raking in fucking shitloads yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it and like i think they get that sort of treatment because it's a shame because they are really talented the first album when you listen to night visions and the demos before that when you actually think about it a lot of the time the music that they were writing it was just folk music or not even folk music. It was indie music. Yeah. And at that time, indie was big. You know, it was the tail end of like the indie boom. Yeah. yeah. And that sort of thing. Um, and it, they, they were an indie band. When they start releasing more albums and they start introducing more synths and electronic elements. And then they go back on other albums and they write more, more rocky songs. People go, oh, sellouts and stuff like that. Yeah. But they've never really been that band that you've seen graft from absolutely nothing. You know, when you see those bands, like, just come from nowhere. They were sort of one of those bands. Yeah. They had a yeah. really successful song. They weren't one of these bands that you saw come up from little clubs. Yeah. No. And then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. It was That just wasn't how it was for them. And I think... Just because you don't like them, it doesn't mean that you should slag them down. Because the flip side of it is, they are one of the most successful rock acts in the world. Sure, really? Because of Spotify. Why They're one of the highest streaming bands on the planet. Ooh. Wow. I, I didn't know that, to be honest. It, it, it is a shame because I, the songs that I do know, like I said, I do know them quite well. Yeah. But... It's not necessarily a band which I would think to myself, oh, I must go and listen to them. Yeah. If they're if they're on in passing, I'm more than happy to listen to them. And I really do enjoy them. Yeah, if like, yeah. say if it comes on and plays, like you don't go you it. wouldn't skip it, no. Absolutely not. And to be honest, that's one I was quite surprised when we were deciding on to pick this album. You I was on board with it. Yeah, really, I've done it. Honestly, I didn't realise you well, it's not necessarily that you didn't know this uh, album, but the fact that you know it so well, for some reason, I don't know why. I, I know you're into your lighter music compared to myself yeah. anyway, but it's it shocked me a bit, to be honest. <laughs> kind of, my answer's kind of the same as what Tom's was, really, where obviously the album is attached to a specific, like for me, 2012 was also, it felt like a big year. Yeah. You know, like we turned 18 in 2012. Ooh. We both finished <laughs> sixth form as yeah. well. 
and then we both kind of started going our separate ways you know there was a lot more you know that sense of freedom started growing obviously you know because there was you know and then deciding what what i wanted to do in my life Mm -hmm. you know a lot of ups and downs in that and like i said I i heard radioactive i'm pretty sure it was for an assassin's creed trailer which makes sense because it's me <laughs> so uh, would that be your introduction would you introduction say? yeah and then say found the album and immediately i just got this sense of if i ever felt down for some reason okay it's an album that could uplift it's an it's a, for me it's an uplifting album it's weird you say that i'm, I'm exactly the same it's it's such a weird one because i don't want to kind of get too deep and stuff like that but this album reminds me of maturity mm-hmm. and yep. mistakes yeah, and learning and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really weird how, like, when you look back at an album, especially because it was only when they released the deluxe version, I was like, oh, God, 10 years. And it put it into perspective. And then you, you start to reflect even more. Yeah. Uh, so I listened to it and I thought, you know, you, you sort of end up going backwards in a way when you yeah. go oh god actually this is a pretty big album because naturally i just listen to the album i'm like oh i've listened to this quite a lot yeah, yeah. but then when you you're forced to sit and reflect on it you kind of go you know actually that's it's done a lot for me and yeah. it's just been there at pivotal points mm-hmm. and then it kind of pops back and forth and it's really weird it's almost like it finds you when you need it most yeah yeah it's, it's quite nice having albums like that I, I know there are a few that i would say i've i've got that with especially like um city of evil boy Avenger sevenfold mm. obviously it's got a completely different meaning to me but that was just it was from a point in time where i was going through a lot of stuff and i was trying to mature and i was tr- thrown into the deep end and i didn't really have <laughs> no choice about it but i still listen to that album it's still makes me feel like i'm reflecting on where i've where i came from to where i am now which is quite nice to look back on so in a way i do kind of get what you mean in terms of how how much this album means to you both yeah but obviously with different albums to be fair there's a there's a few albums that we've covered um that we've said that with i think this is one of the most prominent albums that that happens with Mm. with myself if that makes any sense um there's a couple more there's definitely one that comes to mind but i want to do a whole other episode on that yeah um but there are those albums that come back they'll come back and repeat and you go oh you know sort of thing imagine dragons are one of those bands that i will make a point of checking out every release okay every new album yeah um to be fair there has been a few times when we've been playing games online i know you've uh you've deliberately picked out specific songs that are slightly heavier because you know that's the kind of music i listen to and like so i can't remember the name of the uh, the title but i remember the specific memory we were playing uh i think it's call of duty at some point and you said yeah listen to this and i because I've, i'd listened to the first 30 seconds of the song took me off guard and i was like wow i've got to stop the game and listen to this properly because i really enjoyed it it's so, cutthroat you, yeah it's it cutthroat because it sounds like a disturbed song yes yeah it fucking <laughs> his vocal style <laughs> reminds me of disturbed in that song and i'm like hang well, hang on yeah. 
Um, and there's a song on Smoke and Mirrors. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. I'm sorry to do this. And it it reminds me exactly like... Sounds exactly like Disturbed. And you shouldn't kind of put a band like them in with that. Yeah. But it's... Oh, what's it called? The this track listing from Smoke and Mirrors is the one that escapes me the most. Uh, it's called Friction. And there's like sort of like a sitar sound to open it and mm. like it sounds it sounds really weird and sort of it sounds eastern okay in a way and you listen to it and you go this is very different <laughs> but his vocal style has always reminded me of uh is his name david drayman from disturbed um the lead singer mm. it's always reminded me of that and they do certain songs here and there and i'm just like that shouldn't a band of your size and caliber and even your sort of style should not be doing sounds like that, but they're never too afraid to push you in one direction and just be like, let's just try this. And if yeah, it don't work, yeah. it don't work. I suppose that's the beauty of bands who do get to like such status like theirs. I suppose in a way they can afford to, yeah, do experimental albums or tracks alone yeah um which yeah if that if the, if it works great they're gonna pick up a a wider audience growing ever bigger but if it doesn't then i'm pretty sure they'll find out the find out the way it's been taken by the audience and then <laughs> It really depends on the band, I suppose. If a band writes music for them or for their audience. Like I know in the P3 documentary um, for Periphery, I remember one specific line that Mark said, and it was, he does not write the music for the audience. He doesn't care if anybody likes it. They write it for themselves. They write yeah. it for themselves. Yeah. And it be, it's it's nice to see that. And I hope to Christ with like, Imagine Dragons, if they do do these kind of, uh, experimental songs where they do sound kind of eastern or like disturbed for instance yeah. they it's either they can get away with it or because they're just writing it for themselves yeah i, I find it really weird because i i'm drawn to i don't know i don't know how to describe it i'm drawn to very um schizophrenic bands like literally one one or the other kind of thing like when I say, I don't know if it's the right word to use when I'm saying that, but I'm drawn to bands that will just mess about with different styles. Mm, yeah. That's why I love 21 Pilots so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I Seeing bands where they're not afraid to just try different things really draws me in. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think Night Visions is probably their most honest record. Okay. Because they had no one to impress at that point when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. They were just trying to make it. And this album sort of opened up the world to them. Mm-hmm. Whereas the albums after that, there's there's a lot more difference behind it. So, for instance, um, Night Visions, obviously, is their first record. That's why I say it's probably their most honest. Because what tends to happen with bands, and we've said this before, you see a band start and they're not very big. So what tends to happen is when you're not very big, you've got all the freedom in the world. Yeah. You do what you want because you've got no one to impress. And then it goes through a cycle of, you know, oh, you're commercially successful. 
So we've got to pander to the audience. Yeah. And then they get to a point where they're so big that they no longer have to pander to the audience and they can do what they want and they get that freedom back. Yeah. 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 So like their last album, Mercury, there's a part one and a part two. Okay. That they released like six months apart, something like that. Um, Some of the songs on there are very raw mm-hmm. and it kind of goes back. But you, you listen to their second album, Smoke and Mirrors, and it hands down, when you listen to it, is probably their most depressing album. Oh, shit. Bloody like, it's it's quite, I wouldn't say dark lyrically. Okay. But it's it's a very it's a very specific album. Very moody. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's just me, but when I listen to it, I'm like, it takes me to a different place, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I suppose that's a that's down to the the perception on the the listener. Everybody takes in forms of media in their own in their own way, which again I find is absolutely genius because the human mind is fucking that like that crazy elaborate that you can take literally nothing from something, which is really nice. So the way you would listen to it would be completely different to the way I listen to it. But now you've said that, if I do go and listen to it, I would then have that thought of what you said in the back of my mind. And it, I mean, it could sway me to think the same, but yeah. I think I think perception is very important with music, and I think I find it very weird because, like I said, Night Visions started quite folky. There was electric elements, mm. but this was during the time where Mumford and Sons were massive, and there was a lot of a lot of drums and yeah. it was very percussive. And then they moved to Smoke and Mirrors, which was. It was a bit more electric, but it was a lot more moody, like you said. Then they did Evolve. Evolve was a very electronic album. And then it's weird because the album after that is called Origin. So it's almost kind of chant. And it's kind of like the first album because it's very folky. Um, And then you've got Mercury, which is the new album, part one and part two. And it's kind of a mix of everything. It's just them basically going, I'm relaxed, because it was produced with Rick Rubin. And obviously he's very known for sort of holistic music making and just do it how you feel it sort of thing. Yeah. That that sort of sorry, I'm going off on a rant. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> That's no. all right, man. Um as you've just listed the albums then throughout their discography, and this goes to both of you. I I, I don't know whether you know is it just this album or do you just this album really like I like a lot of a lot of the like some of the acoustic stuff they've done, I love. Mm. Like I don't know if you've heard it when they've done the cover of Blank Space. Yeah, the Spotify singles that they did. Yeah, it's like a live session. They'd done a yeah, they'd done a cover of Taylor Swift Blank Space, but then halfway through the song, they go into Stand By Me. Stand by me yeah. Oh wow! But it keeps the same melody throughout. It's such a seamless transition. Yeah. But the way they've done it is brilliant. You'll have to send me that. We're quite interested. I, I absolutely love the song Stand By Me. You can hear the crowd's reaction as well. Because obviously they weren't really expecting it either. Yeah, it's almost like that sort of surprise, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so going back, my question to both of you is, out of their entire discography, where would you place Night Visions? Would you say it's your favourite, least favourite, mid, I don't know? Oh, I'd say favourite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, It's definitely the top. Number one. Yeah, and it's just because of uh, nostalgia and, you know, what the album means to me. Hmm. But it's very close with Origin. Okay. Which uh, makes sense, though. though just guess. because it's, like like I said, it's very it's the closest to this album. Oh, okay. Um, and there's, there's some very... 
I don't know. There's some very personal songs to me on Origins, like just as there is on this album. Yeah. There's nowhere near as like I know this album front to back. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. There's a couple of songs that I might be like, ah, okay, that's skippable. But I like every song on the album. Yeah. Origins, I, I either really really love the song or I'm kind of like, ah. So it's like chalk and cheese kind yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the majority of Smoke and Mirrors, for instance, is a lot of, yeah. It's a shame when, I, I noticed, I, I'm probably going to get fucking shit on for what I'm about to say. I absolutely love Spirit Box and their music. And I loved the singles that they did. But for some reason, they released Eternal Blue. And because I knew... Uh, the singles and what they've basically produced and released separately. I still love them songs, mm. but the album, it's not bad, but I don't like it. <laughs> it really annoys me because... Is that I, because you expected all the singles to be on the album? Though? No, I wanted there to be just completely new. And I know half of the album is new stuff, but because they obviously picked out their stronger songs... Uh, through the singles it kind of left they, one in a bit more in the album yeah like don't get me wrong um like the first track on the album it was, i'll probably say it's one of my favorites on off that album what song killer yeah yeah but i don't know, I don't know it's just annoying so they are one of those bands that you are, you are right i think everything's viral nowadays though yeah. and you know naturally most bands will release the best songs first yeah and you you need to leave people wanting mm-hmm. yeah you have to like how are you supposed to sell albums if you've released the best songs as singles before the albums come out i don't, I don't know so my point about that was obviously i listen to the eternal blue and like i'll skip so many songs until i'll get to the singles or i just won't listen to the album at all is that kind of what you do with that album with what night visions uh no no the uh latest one as in uh oh sorry mercury yeah sorry uh no oh, so, no, you, so um, you will go and listen to part two is very new oh okay um it only came out about a month ago so i only know the singles on that right now right part one i listen to pretty much front to back oh, okay the songs are all very different to each other. Like, there's one that sounds very unmixed and raw, mm. um, and you know, there's some that there's one that it's called Monday, and it kind of sounds like it's a Prince song. And there's lots of different styles on the album, but I'll de- I'll kind of go on songs that are, just depends on how I feel. Mm. Like, there's a song called One Day, and it's the last song on part one, um, and the melodic kind of content of the chorus is very sort of repetitive but not in a bad way okay throughout the song he sings the chorus about four or five times and every time he sings the chorus he adds another harmony oh that's pretty cool and i listened to it a few times before i realized what was actually happening do you think that may just be him to try trying to show his talent in a slightly different way maybe i don't know i think it i think it adds something to the song like it stops the song from getting boring. Mm. Is that something that he's done previously or... Um... I don't know. I think this is the first time I've really noticed it. Okay. And like you hear it on the song, he kind of adds another harmony in. 
and then another and you naturally because you've not listened you've not heard it in the previous chorus you end up singing the harmony rather than the main line <laughs> when you're singing along to it yeah and then when the next one comes in you end up trying to sing along with that harmony instead yeah. and it's just it's counterpoints and different lines and stuff like that it's you know he sings different melodies around what he's singing and i think that's as much as people shit on them it shows a sign of a musician yeah it shows a sign of someone that's not afraid to get in a room and just go da, 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 da. oh that didn't work yeah let's try this well, I, I suppose in a way you you kind of got to if you want to make it yeah and continue Absolutely. being successful because otherwise if you had five albums which sounded exactly the same yes you're probably going the original fans that you had from the first album i suppose this is kind of my problem there has been a few bands and i know i've said it on the podcast before um is it uh the stage by avenged yeah it was a bit too out there for me when i okay. first listened to it but i think that's purely for the fact i loved um between the albums of city of evil to uh nightmares um is that because you're a creature of habit probably i don't think it's a bad thing to admit if you're a creature of habit yeah like, the thing with me and the thing like i said with this band in particular and especially like 21 pilots for instance their music is so wide and varying that if i'm in a certain mood i can just put a certain song on mm. if i'm in another mood i can put a different song on it's yeah. not just like oh like for, for instance going off what you said with revenge I have to be in the mood for Avenged. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of their stuff is so over the top. Very theatrical. Yeah, and I have to be in the mood for heavy music. Mm -hmm. Imagine Dragons have heavier songs, said in quotation marks, but, yeah. you know, they have heavier songs, they have lighter songs, they have just acoustic songs. And for me, personally, they have a lot more music that I can just go, I'm in this mood, I'll stick that on. Mm. So I suppose they're catering for all all audiences then which which i don't think is wrong no of course no, not. Yeah. personally that it probably shows why they are as big as they are which yeah is, which is really good and they they obviously think about this kind of stuff and yeah. it, i find it fascinating when obviously bands that i like that, that we talk about on this podcast i find it really fascinating when obviously you two have more insight and knowledge on the band than I do. So I know there's a there's an album that's coming up soon, which we're going to talk about. And I know it's one of Ben's picks. And I'm really interested to see why that has been your pick. Yeah. So because I, I've recently listened to it and yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get too much into a tangent on the future, but it's coming soon. That's that's a point in that's that's the point though, isn't it? In terms yeah. of what this podcast is about, is the the whole reason that we do this is because people consume music in different ways. Yeah. So Ben might have an album that's completely changed the way he looks at music. Yeah. And I might be like, I don't get that. Yeah. But that's not wrong. No. Of course no. So obviously you've got a pick. And I don't know about you, but I think this may be like one of the rare occasions. I don't think it's happened yet where I feel like it's going to be you and me where we don't really know the album. I'd imagine it will happen. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be me on the next podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, the next podcast is it's a pretty big album. A lot of people know it. 
Yeah. I do not know it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely don't. And it like, really surprises me though. Really? But I, don't, really I do not me. mind that. I, d- I like the conversation. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea that people, this is the reason I wanted to do this podcast for so long. Mm. Not this specific episode, but you know, I wanted to do a, a podcast for about five years. Yeah. And then, you know, I was trying to get you to do it for such a long time. And then, you know, the whole kind of idea of sounds that changed my life hit me. And I was like, that? Yeah. Because we can sit and talk about music for hours, and we do. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a natural thing for people. Like, people might be into films, and they might sit and talk about films for days. Yeah. Just with us, we like music, and we Mm. consume music, and that's what the podcast is about. And that's why we want to bring it over to you, too, because we want to hear your comments and suggestions on what you think about these albums as well so plug (laughs) (laughs) we got one in guys (laughs) um so obviously this is your album well i suppose in a way it's both your albums what was the main point of inspiration that you took from this album a lot on its own is it the way you listen to it what it makes you feel uh, how you write music or view music as a whole now? I'm going to let you go first. For me, it's one of those albums, like I said, it's it gives me that sense of nostalgia looking back 10 years ago. You like you, you know when an album's really impacted you, when you can still remember in your head a particular time and place where you actually listen to it. Yeah, I actually remember listening to this album on my way to town, on a bus, going through Selly Oak. Nice. Yeah, I just remember sitting on a bus listening to it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it, inf- it did kind of influence the way I do listen to music. In what way? More the vocals, anything. The way he sings it or the... Yeah, because there was that stage where I was trying to get my vocals and, you know, I've never really, like, been really comfortable with my vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like I, I wouldn't say I'm terrible, and it's something even now, like ten years on, I'd love to improve. Mm. But like, so you, you hear someone singing, you're like, oh, I wish you know, I could try. I would like to try one one trying to sing like that. Yeah, that's where like his type of vocals is somewhere I'd feel like I might be a bit more comfortable. Okay, you know, and there's such range to it as well. Yeah, that's quite inspiring. I'm for the past twelve months, I'd say I've been going through that myself. And it's more, I find when I'm in the car on my own or driving to and from work or just times in the car where I'm on my own, I find that I listen to specific bands and I try to practice vocals between obviously screams and uh, like cleans. And there are a few specific vocalists that I, it, the, where I'm coming from is the angle that I'm going, trying to go down in terms of practicing vocals is to specific vocalists like uh, Mitch Looker, like high, higher screams, because I feel during those 12, 12 months that I've been practicing, like I've, I've never shown anybody like properly. So it, it's, it probably sounds like absolutely dog shit, but that's, I suppose it's just down to confidence. Well, a lot of it, what people don't realise is a lot of that stuff is personal anyway. Yeah. There's so many vocalists and musicians that, 
you know, some of the most talented in the world, but they still might be terrified to get on stage. Mm. They might be terrified to sing in front of someone. And, you know, not just because people are famous and they're very talented, it doesn't mean that they have the kind of wherewithal and, you know, the sort of awareness to go, yep, I'll do it in front of everyone. Sort yeah. Because yeah. it's not that easy. No, no, definitely no. not. Do you remember when we'd done uh, Three Days Grace? Oh, <laughs> I got the short straw on that one. I had to freaking do that. I had to do the vocals. <laughs> I was shitting myself. We only done it in front of like 10, 15 people, but I was so nervous. And I auditioned for a semi-side as well. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. There's not a lot I remember, but I remember that. Yeah. That sounded harsh. Not not, not in that. No, I know. I, I remember was... where we were. Because I think at that point you were trying a different direction at some point. So you were looking for like clean vocals because I can't scream for shit. But it I mean, didn't work. I don't know. It's, it's just one of those. I forgot the question that you asked, but we went off on a tangent. So mm-hmm. where did you take what form of inspiration did you take from this album? Outside of what I've already spoken about in terms of it being an important album to me. Um, as a musician, it taught me a lot of uh, dexterity. Oh, okay. So we, when I was at uni, uh, we basically had to do like, for like one of the modules, we had to do a cover band. And then there was other modules where we had to like write original music and then we had to put a show on we had to go play gigs and put put the show on elsewhere and you know Mm. set it all up ourselves tear it down ourselves um so it was basically within what a touring band would do yeah we also had to start a label etc so (laughs) we went around and we played shows and but that was also being aware of the bands that you were playing with yeah so being as the folk and acoustic scene is big down there naturally we ended up playing lighter songs and stuff like that and yeah you know we did a lot of the doing the covers part we did a lot of imagine dragons we did a lot of the skin and bones album from foo fighters yeah um and stuff like that and when i say taught me dexterity it taught me to play different styles um that's very good and it taught me to pull back and, you know, not necessarily play hard all the time. It was more of the listen to the band. What do they need? Yeah. Yeah. You know, do they need me to play like that? Be the no. glue to pull everyone together. Yeah. yeah. Sit sit back a little bit. Yeah. So it was basically that, to be fair. I was... <laughs> I'd never really thought... I've taken inspiration in that way, which is, in a way, it's it's quite an eye-opener. Because that's just made me think then. Obviously, we've been writing this album for a couple of years now, which we still need to finish at some point. But... Yeah. <laughs> kind of not necessarily feeling that I have to write really complex guitar lines and i know you have told me this multiple times over decades now (laughs) but it's not it's not also for instance it's not just writing less complex parts it's how you play things yeah you know playing a chord and going or just playing it delicately or even without a plectrum playing with your fingers 
it's a completely different thing and people will hear it in different ways. Well, like, it's not that... You don't have to make things so complicated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look at To Tim. quote Avril Lavigne. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Tim Henson and the way he plays. Like, he's... he. His finger style is absolutely all over the place, but it's so fascinating to watch because, obviously, as a guitarist, I I look at that and think, "Fuck me, that's like that's stupidly complex." But he's obviously got so such a broad sense of talent and knowledge about music because it it sounds like in parts is quite classical. So I'll ask you a question then, going off on a tangent. When you look at Polyphia. Mm-hmm. What genre do you think they are? And there is a there is a reason for this, kind of going back to what we were just talking about. So it's not a trick question. Like what would you what kind of genre would you put them in? It, it's like a fusion between modern classical and metal. Yeah. That's what I would personally class it as. So obviously a lot of people would probably put them in like gent or, you know, that sort of era and, yeah. you know, progressive and, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. But like you said, a lot of what they do is very classical orientated. Mm. If you unplug them and put them on acoustic guitars, it's it either sounds like classical music or a lot of it sounds like jazz. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing. A lot of metal musicians now, Ollie from Bring Me the Horizon said it multiple times in interviews. He doesn't listen to metal anymore because it's all the same. I remember, you, I remember you telling me that. To be fair, and that's it. It's a, it's about leaning on any sort of influences you can get in any way possible. I suppose in a way that's where I kind of I kick myself in the ass for it. If you only listen to metalcore, I listen yeah. to, for instance, you're only gonna, ever going to play breakdowns and yeah. downpicked riffs and stuff like yeah. that which i mean if you go back to very early semi-side listen to how groovy my uh licks used to be well, that's because you listened to a lot of punk at the time yeah yeah so like, one thing you that really I mean? like astounded me i think when you told me last week so how many guitars do you own so i've got five guitars and a bass how many of them are acoustic zero it, i i don't know why that <laughs> it's like... a big fat donut no. <laughs> <laughs> It just really surprised me that you don't have an acoustic. It's annoying because I do want one. Get one. No, jo- what what it actually is is Josh goes. I've got a Helix. I can go- get a sound of an acoustic. <laughs> I don't need an acoustic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, all right. So uh, completely off tangent. Um, I think it's time we play a little game. Oh, a little game. A little game. <laughs> I swear to God, if people are only listening on Spotify or like Apple Podcasts, they, <laughs> they don't know what think the hell is going on. That's your time. It's your chance to go and view this on YouTube or Spotify because it's video based and you can see. Or go on our shorts because I'm definitely getting that on a short. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It sounded like um, a psychopath, but you look like Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's play guess favourite, least favourite, room 102. Changes every week. Yeah. It's a different number. We're just going down the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be... I swear it was like free 102, so we've gone down a quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> I've purposefully, purposefully not spoken about this album in front of you two, because I guarantee you're not going to get I have had no inkling. 
at all for you. And I don't think I've given much Ben tried anything. to start a conversation with me about this album, and I was just like, yeah. <laughs> Shut it down real quick. <laughs> so I'm just going to go off the bat from... Well, all you had first picked favourite for you, Tom, would be On Top of the World. Nope. And your least favourite would be Radioactive. But the reason why I say that is because of overexposure. Yeah, I'd probably say so. It's 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 a toss-up between that and probably Underdog. Okay. Why though? I'll get on to that after. Okay. And my picks for Ben would be, favourite would be Demons. Nope. Fuck. And again, mm. radioactive free least. And that's, again, no. for overexposure. No. Yeah, it's overplayed, but I wouldn't say it's my least favourite. Okay. So, one out of four. Mm. <laughs> How about yours? So, have I got to guess his? Yeah. Yeah, go on. Uh, what's the name of that song? I should know this. Um... feel like with you it'd be something like tiptoe is your favorite song it's gonna be something really out of pocket you'd have been right about a week and a half ago Ooh. oh he's so fluid look <laughs> at him look at him nah like oh. it, it was my favorite for nine years and then and you changed it in the next week <laughs> revisiting it yeah <laughs> okay this song's got to really have made a massive impact on you within this past week for, to change it, your mind it nine really years. did i don't know why just the majority of the time I'm listening to it is when I'm driving to and from work. What is it? Amsterdam. Okay. I'll get that. What What was your... What, so it was either tiptoe for nine years and then Amsterdam. It's, now it's Amsterdam, okay. yeah. Okay. I don't that. know if you'd be able to get my least favourite, though. Um, and it's a very silly reason why I've put it as my least favourite. Hear me. No. You know what? Once again, for the last nine, nine years, yeah, for the last nine years, I wasn't think that much of it, and then I've listened to it again. I was like, you know, it. I don't know why I didn't like it before. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, every night. Okay, yeah. I just don't like the intro. I get it. I feel like the intro is a bit I'm weird. Coming yeah. Home to you. yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I feel like if. <laughs> if that wasn't the intro and it started off differently because when it goes into it the rest of the song's really nice yeah. the intro's a little bit it just knocks you yeah okay okay I get that yeah fair enough Ben what's yours for me I'm just I'm gonna throw throw one out there I'm gonna say oh this is really difficult um I'm going to say Hear Me. For which least or favourite? Favourite. No. 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 Um, I went for It's Time. And the reason why is, even though it's like a massively popular song. It's time. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't overexposed to me. And I think I that's it. because. So it was still quite fresh. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's quite, obviously over the past couple of weeks we've uh, been talking about doing this album. When I went back to re-listen to it, I was like, fuck me, this is such a good song. Um, not the use of guitar or... I, I, I could fuck this up. Mandolin? Man, Mandarin? Mandolin? Mandolin. Mandolin. That, the sound is beautiful. It's got nice easy tempo. It's just a nice and chilled song, I found. So, yeah. Uh, it's time. Okay. 
Least favourite. Fair enough. Least favourite. Least favourite. Least favourite. Uh, don't know why I went Scott Sparrows then. <laughs> uh, I need to look at the album in there. Ben! Oh, like you don't do it. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Bleeding out. No. Drago? No, not really. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's exactly the same as Ben every night. And the reason why is the fucking intro. I hate it. The use of layers with his, within his vocals are fantastic the way he does it, but I just do not like the intro for that song. Is it because it seems so out of pocket with the rest of the song? I think so. Yeah, yeah I get that. Yeah, the rest yeah. of the song is great. Yeah. It's just you know, as soon as I hear that, well, the intro to that, I'm like, it's good. Fuck skip. off. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess in a way we all well, lost. We so do we, know, do we know whose songs are whose favourite and least favourite? We do now. I didn't but, say mine. Oh, fuck no. No? Okay. Your favourite, yeah? Favourite? Your well, favourite? No, I, I guess, but I got them wrong. Yeah, I don't think I actually I got your favourite. So yeah, you know you know the least favourite. What the fuck is your favourite? For a long time. For nine, nine years. Nine years <laughs> um, it, was, it was Amsterdam oh. for a long time because... Let me guess now, it's tiptoe. <laughs> <laughs> switched. In the past week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically, they're from Las Vegas. Okay. And so are the killers. And Amsterdam always reminded me of like some some of the tracks from the first Killers album, Hot Fuss. Yeah. And it, it always just sort of put me in that mindset. Um I'd say it's still up there. It's like level pegging with uh nothing left to say. Mm. Best song on the album. It's it the drum beat is off, off you know, off rhythm, like syncopated. Mm-hmm. Um and every, I don't care what anyone says, every album should have an extended outro. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It just sounds like they're jamming. Yeah. It, it is one of the best songs I've ever written. Uh, I, I will fight anyone who disagrees. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing left to say. It's just, it's a. there's a great atmosphere to it. Um, there's a good message to the song. And it just, it's a great ending to the album. You know what I'm like. I, I love the flow of an album and it's a track listing is a very important thing. Having a strong beginning and a strong end of an album is more important than anything mm-hmm. to me personally. Yeah. Yeah. That to me, that goes back why I don't really like every night because it kind of ruins that flow. I get I mean, that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And the thing is like, uh, what is it called? The There's a song called Rocks, which is after nothing left to say, which was originally like the secret song on the album. And now it just says like, you know, it's two songs. It's a med- medley sort of thing. Yeah. But if you would have just left the album as it was, as the original album, nothing left to say would be the end. Yeah. yeah. And it's just such a great ending to an album. Uh, yeah. And I, I saw them, saw them at Reading Festival in like 2012, 2013. And I'll never forget it. Um, I've never seen them live other than that. But we were stood on the hill where the sound tower was at Reading Festival, looking down at main stage. 
and they had if you go back and you look at footage of them they basically had like it was looked like a corrugated cardboard thing behind them yeah and it was like a, it was in a semicircle shape <laughs> they had the same backdrop with the red rocks album because you can see it on youtube yeah and the sun was going down behind us wow. and it was reflecting off of it and i'll never forget it um i, I barely remember anything about hearing them live mm. it's just that one specific memory but it was just the the visual <laughs> was um, it before or after night visions because if it I could imagine after. it would, yeah, it would have been 2013 then, because Night Visions didn't come out to what September, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah and Reading Festival was August, so it must be yeah. 2013. Um, and it just got me hooked after that. I don't remember a lot of the rest of the set because my friend Harry, uh, whited. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think he whited. He had um, partaked in too much partying, and he passed out. We caught him as he fell back, and then he just bounced back up on his feet. He was like, "I'm okay," and then did it again and passed out. Um, so yeah, I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember that one visual, and it will stick with me forever. Yeah, that, that's that's the beautiful thing about seeing live music is, for instance, uh, with Slipknot when we went to download 2019, um, I'd never seen anybody do like the curtain pull before yeah yeah and yeah. that re- that's the one thing that's really stuck with me i know that's one of their things uh because i've seen uh as they're doing a tour at the moment i've seen multiple videos on uh youtube where they do they have three three curtains two get pulled down from the side and the middle goes up which it's fascinating it, because i'd never seen that before it stuck with me and it always will um visuals are just as important yeah when you see a live act as yeah audio well look at the 21 pilots when we went to see them their whole entire stage presence was fucking phenomenal and i'd probably say in terms of stage presence and the show in terms of visuals that's probably one of my favorites that i've ever seen absolutely because of you can see just how much time effort and money they've sunk into that and they've done it right yeah even down to um tyler getting on the board and like going across the uh crowd on it it's incredible it really is yeah so yeah like you said i i I really do agree visuals play a massive part of it especially with live music so yeah um so yeah i I guess that's pretty much how how this album's changed our lives in some some way or another whether it's someone who absolutely i mean you could ask me the question but i've i think like you said in the other episode i've i've already said it i think pretty much summed it up so yeah um i guess we'll we'll leave it at that yeah Um, yeah yeah, don't forget to subscribe and if you've well especially if you've liked the this episode um we've got plenty of more content like this and well on all other platforms for podcasts we've also got the youtube um with speak by sound so go and check that out um, social media and discord come over and join i never say this but if you want to come find a discord links are in the description below um rate us five stars on apple Podcasts and spotify yes it give help. us uh, give us some goodness I'm still getting Absolutely. used to the cameras so i was looking at that one there <laughs> that one ben that one yeah. that one over there that one there yeah not that one not, not that one but that one what about that one josh <laughs> or oh, this one that one that one okay um, yeah cool <laughs> but no as always, thank you, thank you for watching, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.